Now grab your Bibles, download your app, open it up. We're going to go quickly. Um, and we're going to go late, so just be ready for that. Uh, we've been in a, a series called What Christ People Do. O- over the last several weeks, we've been talking about uh, the fact that we, we, we looked at our six characteristics, and we've said, uh, and here they are again, we've said, uh, Christ people worship, we connect to the heart of God, we grow to maturity, and now we're talking about serving. And this morning, I want to, uh, and, and next week, I want to talk specifically about the way God has called us to serve. We'll continue in this series over the next several weeks talking about giving and yielding to the Holy Spirit and His leadership and power. It's what we experienced in Nicaragua. It's what we experience hopefully all the time as we yield to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But today I want to talk about serving and uh, I want to start by looking at what Paul writes to us in Ephesians chapter 2. Because we've said all along we're created for these things. We're created to worship, we're created to connect, we're created to grow, because if we're not growing, we're not living, right? We're dying if we're not growing. We're created to do all of these things. We're also created to serve. So let's look at this passage of Scripture, and then we'll look at the significance of this. Ephesians 2.10, we, that's us, we are his, God's workmanship. You're his creation, He fashioned you the way he did so that you could serve. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We're created for this. Just think about the the fact God created us, and then he established a purpose and the work we would do so that it would all come together. And as we do the work that's been created to do and that we have been created for, we get to experience the most fulfilling life possible on the planet. That's exactly what Brad's talking about. When he stepped into doing what God had called him to do, he, he has begun to experience an adventure that he never thought was even possible. He never even, right, Brad, isn't that true? You never knew it was, look what you're missing if you don't step in to do the work, to serve the way, to worship the way, to connect the way, to grow the way God has created you to grow. Look at your hands for a moment. Or maybe look at your neighbor and see their mouth and see their mind and see their head and their body We are created, we are God's workmanship created to do the work God has for us to do. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are God's masterpiece. Isn't that awesome? We are made to serve God and to serve God one another. This is the way it was supposed to be. We've been referring to Genesis 1 through 3 in this series. In Genesis 1 and 2, God creates us and he said, it's all good. And he gives us the entire planet to manage. He says, you'll have dominion over the whole thing. He gives us the authority, the ability, the calling, the purpose to have dominion over the entire planet. And then Genesis 3, it all falls apart because Adam and Eve align themselves with the enemy of God. And for a short time, they served him, not necessarily intending to. They got duped. They got schemed into serving Satan. So we could say maybe we're either serving God or we're serving Satan. We're created to serve. 
We're created worship, to worship. We said, we're going to worship something. We're hardwired for this. We're hardwired to, to worship, to connect, to grow, and to serve. And God has work for us, service for us to do, and if we'll do it, and if we'll step into faith and do what he's called us to do with the purpose that he's called us to do it and serve in the places he's called us to serve, we'll experience life in all of its fullness. That's Jesus' promise in John chapter 10. He said that's one of the reasons he came, and so we'd have life in all of its fullness. He also said, I came to serve, not to be served. He says that in Matthew chapter 20. Let's look at this passage of Scripture where there's going to be a little conflict between some of the boys, some of the 12 guys who are following him, because in in Matthew 20, verse 20, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, this is the mother of James and John, came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. Now, can't you see this mom? You know, she's got her two boys, pride and joy. And he's, he's walking them up to, the, to Jesus, and she's about to say, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, I want you to command. I don't want you to suggest. I don't want you to just sort of make a half-hearted promise. I want to command out of you that these boys of mine, can't you just see them hugging them, you know, pinching their little cheeks? I want you to have these boys of mine serving on your right and on your left. I want these guys to be the most significant guys next to you in your kingdom. And Jesus looks at this, you know, helicopter mom and says to her, you don't know what you're asking. You don't really know what you're asking for. If, in fact, I think he would have gone on to say, if, you'd know, if you knew what you were asking for, you probably wouldn't be asking that question. You wouldn't be so demanding. You wouldn't be so confident. You wouldn't be asking me to command that they will do, be on the right and the left. Because he said, he, says, he goes on to say then, Jesus answered, verse 22, do you know what you're asking? Are you able to drink the cup I'm, I'm able to drink, that I'm about to drink? Do you remember any other time that Jesus talks about a cup or prays about a cup? You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus prays and he is so he's so passionate in prayer that he sweats drops of blood because he knows what's about to happen. He knows he's going to be arrested, tried, convicted, tortured, beaten, and crucified, and he's going to die a horrific death. And he asks the Father in that prayer, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. Now he looks at James and John. Do you know what cup you're asking for? If you knew, you wouldn't be asking. But actually you will. You will drink of the same cup. You will go through many of the same things. I'm about to go through. But, he goes on to say, it's not mine to give. Those who will serve on the right or the left is not mine to give, but it's for those to whom it's been prepared by my Father. Now, verse 24, hearing this, the other ten guys became indignant with the two brothers. I think it's probably because they didn't think of that. You know, they should have thought, well, why didn't my mom come and ask Jesus a question for me? And Jesus called them, I love this, Jesus, can't you imagine, just, he's, he circles them all up. He says, hey, guys, come, come, let's huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. Come here, come here, come here, come here. I need to tell you something. 
I need you to know something. Listen carefully. This is the way the kingdom of God works. He says, you know the rulers of the Gentiles. They lord it over those they lead with great authority. There's a hierarchical structure. There's a power structure in the kingdom of the world. You're familiar with that. You've grown up watching it all your lives. And so have all of us. We've all watched this all of our lives. We know well how the hierarchy works, how the system of authority works. There's somebody in charge and everybody else falls underneath. That's how the kingdom of the world world works. And they lord it over those that they have authority over, he says. But not so in the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is upside down. It's completely different. He says in the kingdom of God, the last shall be first. In the kingdom of God, it's about the way we serve, not about the way we have authority over others. He said, whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. You know what he's saying to us today? Listen carefully. You are called to greatness. You are called to greatness in the kingdom of God. And you'll do it when you serve. You'll be great when you serve. You'll be great when you give. You'll be great when you are generous. You'll be great. You are called to greatness. And the path to greatness is through servanthood. That's the way the kingdom of God works. He goes on to say, makes it very clear, verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, even Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's all of us. Right? He gave his life as a ransom for us so we wouldn't have to die. So we could be free. So we could be in the kingdom with him forever. So when we serve, we're being used by God to build his kingdom. It's one of the core truths in the message of Jesus. That to be like him, we have to become a servant. It's just necessary. It's a requirement that we always think of how can I serve? How can I put someone else first? How can I be last? How can I lift someone else up? How can I encourage someone? How can I pray for someone? How can I bless someone? How can I love someone? How can I work for someone? How can I push someone else forward so that they can be blessed? That's what the team did on the trip to Nicaragua this week, and that's what we experienced as we spent time with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we, we never felt like we were serving because we were always being served. It was, like Brad was saying, they served us an incredible meal. They could not afford to do that. It was an incredible sacrifice for them to serve us that meal that night in Somoto. But they did. Sacrificially, they served us a meal. And they stayed late. We were late getting there. We were an hour and a half late getting there and they waited on us and then they served us with incredible joy and hugged us and prayed over us and loved us and blessed us and fed us like kings. We were constantly being served. Every time Jesus did a miracle, every time Jesus healed someone, every time he raised someone from the dead, every time he spoke truth into them, every time he breathed life into someone, he was demonstrating servanthood and in the way the kingdom of God works. He was simply 
explaining and helping us to see what the kingdom of God is like. He was demonstrating for us. That's what miracles are all about. Miracles help the person who received the miracle, but there's a bigger story than that every time. Every time God does a miracle, the story is bigger than just one individual. The story illustrates, demonstrates for us what the kingdom of God is like. He restores. He blesses. He redeems. He raises up. He saves. You know, when we worship, it's all about the way we celebrate and lift our hearts and lives to God. When we connect to the heart of God, it's all about the the relational intimacy and growth and connection in relationship between God and between one another. When we grow, it's all about us growing to maturity so that we can be more and more like Jesus. But when we serve, we're actually expressing the person of Jesus Christ through our bodies and lives. When you serve, When you serve someone or someone else serves you in the name of Jesus, it's the closest thing you're ever going to have to experiencing the literal physical presence of Jesus Christ in this life. That's why it's so important for us to gather together on Sunday mornings and worship and praise and serve one another and pray for one another. That's why our altar times are so incredibly important when people come here to pray and be prayed for. It's because you're going to experience the presence of Jesus more than any other time. It's because we're serving one another. You believe that? I hope so. In Luke 17, verse 20, now having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Your translation may say, it is within you. The kingdom of God is wherever the king is, and if the king lives in you, the kingdom of God is in you. And it gets expressed by the way we serve, by the way we love, by the way we pray, by the way we bless one another with our hands and hearts and minds and mouths. Three things, real quickly. Serving to build God's kingdom. When we serve, we need to start with prayer. We need to serve with prayer. Jesus tells us in his prayer, when he teaches us to pray, pray this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, here, here and now, in this place. God, may your will be done here and now as it is in heaven. We got to start with prayer. You know, our tendency, my tendency is to go off and try to do something and then ask God to bless it. Is that, is that anybody else? Just Probably just me. That's, it's just me, right? That's our tendency. But we're much better off if I don't do anything before I pray. Now, there are others who will say, I'm not going to do anything, I'm just going to pray. That's safe, isn't it? Unless you're listening. Like, when Brad started listening, the adventure began, didn't it? And prayer led to doing something that's going to change. (laughs) Do you realize how many lives, how many children's lives will be changed for generations if Jesus tarries? That school, when it's done in full capacity, will accommodate 200 students at one time, every day. (laughs) That's pretty significant, isn't it? 
when you pray and then God calls you to do something, that's when things really happen. It all begins with prayer. That's why, we, that's why you were praying for us. Many of you uh, we appreciate the prayer that you have, were praying, interceding for us when we got to Nicaragua. We found out that the, the government there is really uh, continuing to advance to become more and more of a dictatorship. It's been a soft dictatorship for a long time. It looks like a democracy from the outside, but it's not. And that's beginning to advance now. And so we've, we learned after we got there that many of the crusades, like we had planned, have been canceled, some of them at the last minute, by the government officials. You have to get permission from a mayor of the city. He gives you a, per, a permit, and then you can have a crusade. All the permits were let, and, and we were praying that it wouldn't get canceled like some of the events that had been pre- previously. We found out that the last three events in, in the city of Leon had been canceled. Our team, while I was on national radio doing an interview, our team felt led to go to the place where the crusade was going to happen. They had no idea what, was, what, what I was learning in my meeting. But I texted them and a few others and said, hey, we need to be praying because the last event here was canceled eight hours before it was supposed to start. We found out another event. They had the event because a major evangelist had come in, had an event in another city that didn't get canceled, but the mayor there got fired the next day and escorted out of the city by the central government. So it's getting more and more serious there all the time. It's the Sandinista regime. It's the same line of thinking that, that destroyed the country and all through the 80s. From 79 to 1989, it was a war, horrific war. Hopefully that won't happen again. But it's beginning. Little signs of it here and there. It's a dictatorship. That's what happens when the dictator's wife is a witch and he is a dictator. So um, we were praying. And you were praying, many of you. And we were able to have the event that night in that location. I don't know why. Hopefully the mayor won't get fired. The city of Leon is about a city of 300,000 people. Big city. I don't know how many people, several hundred people came that night. Uh, 20 or 30 people gave their lives to Christ. They're now in the kingdom because you prayed. <laughs> I think that's a pretty big deal. I think that's a pretty significant thing when we pray. Number two, we serve with generosity. Mark chapter 10, Jesus tells a story of the rich young ruler. I won't take time to read it right now because I don't have a lot of time, but let me tell you the story real quickly. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 23. You need to write that in your notes so you can go read it later. It's the story of the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus saying, Jesus, I've I've kept every commandment there is to keep. What else do I need to do? Jesus, knowing that he was a very wealthy young man, looked at him and said, well, in your case, you, and Jesus knew his wealth was standing in the way. He said, in your case, you need to go sell all of your possessions and give it all to the poor and then come follow me. And the rich young ruler looked at him very sad and dejected and almost terrified because he had great wealth, it says. N.T. Wright, a well-known theologian of our day, gives us a great illustration of this particular passage of Scripture. He said, this is like the monkey trap story. Anybody know what a monkey trap is? You ever know, have you ever, you ever, you ever, anybody ever trapped a monkey? <laughs> Maybe you should be telling this story. Uh, this is the way a monkey trap works. You put a jar, you fix a jar to a tree or something that can't possibly be removed. And then you put food inside the jar, small mouth jar 
where you put the food inside that the monkey really, really wants. And the monkey sticks his slender hand and arm into the jar and grabs a hold of the food, and he can't pull it back out. And we would all look at that and say, well, just what? Just let go. But the monkey won't let go. Even though somebody's going to come along and they're going to take the monkey and they're going to put him behind bars and they're going to keep him trapped for the rest of his life, he will not let go of what's inside that jar. Now, surely, only a monkey would be so dumb as to not let go of what he has a hold of, right? So that he could get his freedom. Right? Or, what do you have? What do I have a hold of? What do we have a tendency to hold on to that keeps us from experiencing the adventure with God that he calls us to take with him? To experience the freedom he wants us to experience with him. To experience the generosity that he wants us to spread into his kingdom so that he can use our one and only life in the way it was designed to be used, in the place and in the lives it was designed to be used so that we'll experience the adventure and the, and the fulfillment that he, was, he has designed and purposed for us. He's created us for this, Paul writes in Ephesians 2, remember? What are we missing out on? Think of the adventure Brad Smith would be missing out on right now had he not said to God, I will let go of what you want me to let go of and I'll go on an adventure with you. That story will be told to his grandchildren and he'll use it as an illustration to say to them, kids, don't ever hold on to something God wants you to let go of. why we're going to, going to do um, the Expand the Kingdom Here giving campaign. Many of you tithe, and I want to thank you for being faithful with your tithe. And many of you give generously to our uh, every year to our greatest gift offering, which is the resources we use to expand the kingdom in Nicaragua and in Honduras and in India and here locally. We build churches, we train pastors, and, and you've seen the pictures, and you've seen only a portion of what God is doing with those amazing resources that you generously give. Now, God wants us to expand the kingdom here. Let's give generously so that the kingdom can be expanded here. We're going to enhance our building in some ways that will expand the kingdom and it'll expand our reach here. I want to completely eliminate the $400,000 debt we have still left on this building, not, not on the building, but on the furniture and fixtures that we put in here so that we, all the money that we're now sending to the bank to pay off that debt will be put in the kingdom and will expand the kingdom in this area. Because just like there are thousands of people in Nicaragua and Honduras that need to know Jesus, there are thousands of people in this community who need to know Jesus, and they will die without him unless you and I reach out to them and invite them into the kingdom of God. And that's why we need to be generous and pray and give and serve like we never have before so that we have an opportunity to fulfill the purposes God has placed in our life in this time and in this place so that this community will know who the King of Kings is and the Lord of Lord is in their own life and they can have their adventure. Let's give. 
Let's give extravagantly and generously. And when we give generously, it kills the spirit of greed in our own lives. It causes us to let go of what has us trapped. So I want you to be praying about what God wants you to give. Over and above your tithes and offerings for the next two years, whether it's weekly, monthly, annually, whatever it might be, so we can expand the kingdom here. And we'll see these seats fill up time and time again as the kingdom grows and expands here. Because, friends, you know what? We're helping to fill churches in India and in Honduras and Nicaragua. I wish you could have been in Honduras with me. The, the room that you helped build for Tumi training was completely packed to capacity with 185 leaders, not just people who attend the church. These were leaders. I'm telling you, in Honduras, that's a big deal. Pastor Alfredo now has almost 1,500 people attending his church. And if he were standing right here right now, he would say thank you for the way you've been giving and the way you serve and give generously so that it helps them expand the kingdom in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. I hope you're half as excited about this as I am. Number three, we need to serve with our time and our talent. You know, one of the things that so significantly impacted our lives on this trip to Nicaragua, as I said, were the way we were served and the meals that were, were prepared for us, the, the amazing ways that we were just loved and served in huge, huge ways. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus is asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? Mark 12, 28. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, when we serve, when we love our neighbor, when we give and when we give generously for our neighbor, when we love our neighbor, it's just as important as it is when we love God. That's pretty significant, isn't it? See, serving is not just something we do with our spare time. That's no big deal. Jesus just put serving one another on the same level as worshiping the one true God. <laughs> That's a pretty big deal. That's a big deal. When you serve, when you serve children here at Christ Church, it's just as important as your worship. And the lives that get touched and changed and transformed as a result... You know, some of my most significant moments in formative years were the times when I would spend with my Sunday school teachers when I was six, seven, eight years old. And I can tell you, everyone, Maxine Reese, Clabe Atterbury, they're all long gone now. But I can go back <laughs> to some of those flannel graphs <laughs> or, even better, to the times I could just watch them and experience their love for me and listen to their prayers over me and it makes me even emotional to think about it because I got spiritually formed in those moments in ways that caused my future to take a completely different tra trajectory. Thank you for the way you serve our students here and our children. Thank you if you're leading a life group or if you're hosting a life group. 
Thank you for the way you're serving. Thank you for the way you serve at the front door or in our hospitality ministry or in whatever place or way you serve here in the life of the church. Thank you for the way you serve because you're making a difference. If you're teaching one of our equipping classes or whatever you may may be doing, if you're praying and you're interceding, if you serve on our altar team, wherever it is, you're making a kingdom difference and it's just as important as it is when you worship the one true God. Love God and loving one another. Jesus said it's the same thing. It's just as important as your worship. Um, I can think of many of you, I can start naming names of many of you who who serve and and you serve not only in the life of the church, but you serve all the time. You give generously and you serve in ways that just blow my socks off. So thank you. Thank you for the way you serve. You make your heavenly Father smile over you. You do. And I want everybody else to join the party. I don't want anybody to miss out. I want everybody, I want every single person I know to say, God, here I am. I will serve. I will serve children. I will serve students. I will serve adults. I will serve at the front door. I will serve outside this body of Christ. I will serve wherever you call me to be. I will serve you with all my heart, with every talent, with every time, with every resource, with every bit of my being. I will serve you, God, till the day I die. And when you get to heaven, it will be populated with people who were who were completely impacted by your life. That'll be your reward. (laughs) I think it'll be pretty exciting. And it'll be exciting in the meantime. Would you bow your heads with me? If God's speaking to you this morning, would you just raise your hand? Anybody else? Raise your hand all over the room. Amen. Praise God. So if God's speaking to you like he was speaking to Brad, it's time to say, God, I'll take a step. I'll do what you call me to do. I'll serve. I'll give. Whatever it is that he's saying to you, I'll do that. I want to invite you to come to the altar this morning and pray. You can pray about anything or for anyone. Maybe it's you that needs prayer. Maybe it's somebody else that you know. You don't have to be a member of this body of Christ to come for prayer or to come to pray. But I want to invite you to come and take a step. Step out in faith and start the adventure. Father, as we as we come to you now and as we serve one another in prayer, we pray your blessing on this time that you'll call every man, every woman, every child to yourself to respond to everything you've been saying to us today from your word. Thank you for inviting us into the amazing adventure you have in your kingdom. Help us to let go, to let go of the world we're in so we can embrace you and the freedom you have for us and the adventure that you've always had in mind since the creation of the world, the purpose you created us for. Help us to step into that today and every day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing and come and pray. If God's speaking to you, if you want to come and pray for anything or anyone, for any reason at all, I want you to come and pray, and we want to pray with you. There will be leaders here that will pray with you. So come now and pray as we sing this last song.